Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we've been talking about pre-assistance. Sorry, it's been a little while since my last post. Um, I One of the reasons I was a bit delayed was I really wanted to try out Isabel um, a little more firsthand, so I could comment about some of the you know, usability and newbie kind of aspects. And so it just took me a while to muster up the time and to to play around with a little bit. Um, So I want to talk about that today a little bit. And I want to talk about um, sort of complexity of proof assistance because um, I'm sort of reflecting on that with Isabel and also um, I have something else I want to talk about, talk about that that point. So anyway, yeah, so Isabel, um, and we talked about sort of background on Isabel last time a little bit. And... um, I mean, to summarize, from from my point of view, the most important salient thing is, like, Isabel is actually this metalogical tool, but the main logic that's um, implemented and used in Isabel is Isabel whole, higher-order logic. This is ultimately based on Church's simple theory of types, um, and uh, which is a higher-order logic. And it's a classical higher-order logic, so we... We're not working with the Curry-Howard isomorphism in this case, as we are in Cock and Agda. And um, I, I spent so much time using the Curry-Howard isomorphism that, yes, it's it's good to remember that that's not the only way to do logic. <laughs> and um, there's some pretty awesome things when you're willing to abandon constructivity, um, that every function you describe doesn't have to actually be algorithmically implementable. Um you, uh, I, I was reading, actually also, this is a, really a bit of a tangent, I've been intensively studying Algebra of Programming, this book by Bird and Damore. Um, it's not an easy book by any stretch of imagination, but it is easier than some of the books that they base it off of. <laughs> um, and they talk about, um, they talk about moving from category theory to allegory theory, where you're sort of thinking you have relations instead of functions. And they use converse of a relation sort of as a specificational tool. So you can, um, it can, and, and you see this in non-constructive theorem proving as well, that you can just say, oh, if I've got this function, you know, I know how to compute one direction of a function, um, I can invert that. You know, I, um, it's, it makes sense to um, invert at least injective functions, uh, right? So, um, that's you know perfectly sensible set theoretically, but definitely not sensible from an algorithmic perspective. Nothing says that you can just automatically invert functions. I mean, um, program inversion is actually a pretty interesting uh, pr- uh, problem in the little research area. People figure out how to you know like I don't I actually don't know exactly what they do there, but I assume it's things like find classes of functions that you can always invert um, algorithmically. Um, so anyway. Um, so Isabel is in the land of non-constructivity, and so we can do things like just say, "Oh, let's just give ourselves, let's just you know make use of the inverse of this function, um, regardless of the fact that it's the question of whether or not it's computational." So that's whether it's computable. So that's great. Um, now I want to comment a little bit about um, my experience as a newbie trying to use Isabel, um, and I did find it. I did run into some bumps in the road. Now, I'm definitely willing to say um, theorem provers are mighty complex tools. 
So the fact that I'm like pretty fluent in caulk and agda does not at all mean that I would be fluent picking up another tool. I do think there were a few things trying to start using Isabel that made it a little harder than it needs to be. Um, the documentation, there's this tutorial that I actually have in book form. And the, the creators of Isabel have done a very nice job in keeping the tutorial up to date with um, this as the system's evolved. So you can see this tutorial. Now, the, that's like where bump in the road number one is. Like the tutorial doesn't really give you a tutorial on how to use Isabel J edit, which seems to be the version of Isabel. I mean, so Isabel can be run with an Emacs using Proof General. Uh, I think I tried that a little bit somewhere in there and couldn't quite make it work out of the box. Again, that that's, could just be my installation woes there. I'm sure, I mean, I'm for sure it works for other people. So it's, I ran into some issue there. So I was like, all right, I'll just do whatever the sort of preferred out of the, you know, after downloading and installing, like, what do I need to do to run Isabel? They're like, okay, run this, you know, executable that's right in the Isabel directory that you downloaded. Okay, awesome. I run that. It fires up JEdit. JEdit is some, like, Java-based editor, uh, I think, and, um, it's like a graphical user interface kind of editor. And so, sure enough, up pops, um, you know, uh, JEdit window with a whole lot of panels and panes and stuff like that. And I'm just kind of like, hmm, what is this? Where do I type? What is it going to do? And so I tried playing with it, this and that. And I, then I, felt, I was kind of like, I was kind of getting sort of nowhere. Like I was putting in things, you know, trying to follow the tutorial that I had in the, the updated PDF. And it, I was kind of running into problems. And like, it kind of wasn't working that great for me. I was like, hmm. Uh, and so then I found, oh, wait, no, there is some document. Like when I download this Isabel installation, there is a directory called subdirectory called doc that just has a bunch of files in there, a bunch of PDFs. It doesn't have, for example, a README telling what the PDFs are. That would be kind of nice. But I can sort of guess from the titles of them, okay? And so I'm sure there's one called Jade. I pull it up. I sort of get a little more of a hint from that. And between all this stuff, I sort of managed to type in, I managed to type in kind of like a my list kind of thing. And I managed to type in a filter function. And I managed to type in the theorem that filter is idempotent, like filter a list with predicate P. Um, doing that once or doing it twice has the same effect. And I was able to type the theorem in, and I was able to say, you know, again, sort of looking through the docs of the, the, tu the PDF tutorial on Isabella, I was like, okay, um, let's see, apply inductact auto. Inductact auto. Boom. I just, I was like, oh, what happened? And it's just like, oh, oh, nope, it accepted my theorem. Cool. I didn't have to do anything. I just said apply inductact, inductac, inductac, sorry. Oh. Um, and then auto, and kaboom, it just proved it. I didn't need a lemma. I didn't need, I mean, if you prove this, I proved, this is like a kind of good example I like to use in Agda, and there's definitely more work to do to prove it in Agda. You need to case split on whether the predicate whole, like you, okay, you've, of course you're going to split on whether the list is empty or non-empty, um, and, you know, it's a nil or a cons, which is exactly what induct tack in Isabel is going to do for you. Um, and, but then you, in, you also need to split on whether the predicate is true or false the predicate, sorry, holds or doesn't hold of the head of the list. And apparently, auto just goes off and does all that for you. I was impressed. I mean, it was just a couple lines and just kabam. 
Now, like Conk, I mean, I know that you can craft your own LTAC that will just go off and do, you know, arbitrarily clever things to try to automatically prove stuff for you. But kind of out of the box, if you were to prove that in Conk, you know, you, I don't, I'm pretty sure auto isn't going to go do case splits for you. I don't, actually, I don't know. I guess like, that would be a good one to try in Conk. Um, just to sort of see how you know how the automation differs and i have heard people say that isabel one of the strong points of isabel is is its impressive level of automation and i was definitely impressed although i was also a little alarmed because i couldn't really figure out even the syntax of what i was supposed to be typing in i just looked in the book and it was like apply induct attack auto okay i wrote that and kaboom there it went but um yeah so i guess um the summary point for me was these tools are very, very complicated. Isabel honestly looks immensely complicated, partly because we have ML under the hood. Then we have the meta logic that Isabel, you know, so ML is the actual implementation language, which you can use and you can find source Isabel the source file like Isabel files that Isabel is going to process that contain ML code, which is a. I'm sorry, I find that a little distressing because we have all these different layers, right? And so. And certainly the tools keeping those layers very separate as well it should because that was an important idea the church emphasized a lot was the separation of meta and object languages. And so he, they're, they're doing a good job in following that tradition. But still, having the implementation language, the meta logic, and a theory logic, and then working within a theory, I mean, we're talking about like four levels going on, and you don't have to use all those levels at once. But the fact that they're sort of exposed and kind of they're they're, they're like sparking parts are <laughs> visible is a little alarming to me. Um, so the tools and and, and all these improvers are mighty. You know, they're very complicated things that, that they're trying to do. They're trying to deliver some really really powerful functionality. Um, but uh, then we have to talk about, you know, how to set these tools up in a way to make them as easy to get into and deal with. And on this grounds, I w and I f I'm sorry, but I can't give Isabel an A plus on that. I feel like um, it was it was kind of harder and required more sort of deciphering and guesswork and putting things together here and there to just get sort of hello world going that I would have liked. Um, so, and you know, that's, that's partly just a testimony to what a hard problem it is to do that kind of thing, to make, make these tools usable. Uh, but I do think that usability is extremely important. Um, now, speaking of usability, there's another issue that I wanted to talk about with caulk that's kind of related. Um, and, and I hope as I raise what I hope are somewhat constructive criticisms, I mean, I, I'm trying to make these tools too. I'm not like saying mine is better not far from it, <laughs> but I'm just, I guess I'm trying to like issue a challenge. Sorry, wind, I hope it's not too bad. I just came back from my class and I got to bring my trash in. <laughs> not my trash, but my trash cans. Um, anyway, <laughs> gosh, thankfully I didn't have to bring my trash in. So anyhow, um, you know, uh, in Calk, Calk has really, um, impressive documentation. The documentation is extensive, it's very detailed, and I think pretty much anything you'd want to know is probably there. Um, as I have complained a little bit about kind of how hard it is to use the documentation because trying to figure out how things work by deciphering 
context-free grammars. I mean, the grammar is, you know, a very good spec, but it's also kind of hard to manage, to work with. Like, you're, you just pull something up, you're just like, I just kind of want to know how to do this basic thing, and you're confronted with, you know, like a half a screen full of grammar. You know, it's like, oy. Now, the cock documentation, though, does have a lot of good examples, which is great. So, um, that, that happens a lot. Uh, still, somehow kind of like illustrating all of the features by example in a kind of comprehensive way, I think would be more valuable for a lot of people than just like some good examples and then grammar. Because that kind of means like, well, you know, if I need to do much um, beyond something kind of basic that you're in a basic example, I'm going to have to sit there and puzzle through grammar and all this kind of stuff. Um, so the last thing I want to say about Cock is I was, I'm doing some research right now where I'm using Cock, and the experience has been very good. I mean, I really like the tool. It's impressive, and it, it's helping me be very productive, so I love that. Um, the complexity, though, uh, is definitely there, and the one of the things, and again, this isn't really meant as a criticism, it's more just kind of like, you know, how do we make these tools better? Because um, I was doing this work, and I found, like, I, you know, when you're doing stuff um, in type theory, in constructive type theory, there's a lot of, like, massaging types, like, I need to change this type to that type to unfold a definition, refold some other definition somewhere else. And in my development, there's, like, quite a pretty heavy layer of... Um, definitions that have to be kind of juggled around like this. And um, I was sitting here tweaking this, tweaking that, so I could finally get to the point where some rewrite um, with an equation would go through. Um, you know, where it's like, oh, because, you know, you sit there, you try to rewrite, um, and at least in Calk, the basic rewriting tactic, um, it really is looking for a pretty exact match. Um, you have an equation that proves like x equals y, and it really, really wants you to have um, pretty much exactly x somewhere in the goal, and then it'll change it. If you have something that's definitionally equal to x, like if you unfolded this definition or folded that one, it would be x, then just rewrite. Um, my experience was was not uh, applicable in a lot of case, cases. Um, but imagine my surprise. I heard somebody say something about bloody, bloody, blah, setoid rewrite. It was kind of like, okay, I don't know, what the heck, I'll just try setoid rewrite. Whoa, it just went right through. I was shocked. I was kind of like, wow, that's powerful, that's really great. Because actually in Sedil, um, I put some effort, we put some effort into trying to make rewriting um, take definitional quality into account, which is kind of hard and might even be, I mean, yeah, it, it, it could be very hard um, because it might turn into a higher order matching, which is decidable, but um, the algorithm is like implicit in a like, hundred page proof or something. So basically no one really knows how to implement it as far as I've heard from some um, experts. And so um, anyway, so, but when I, I thought, wow, I want to go see more and more about this set I'd rewrite. Now this is one tactic in Calk, one tactic. And there's just a extensive documentation and so many little knobs and things to tweak. I was just kind of, holy cow, I'm not going to be able to get in there and understand what Sedoid Rewrite does. I'm just going to be thankful that somehow it manages to get my rewrite to go through. Um, but this is, again, the question of complexity. Because these tools are so difficult. We're like, you know, if one tactic kind of is like, you know, a master's thesis worth of work and implementation, like, man, <laughs> I mean, again, it's not like I have a better proposal, it's just kind of, it's just, it's a little bit of a scary situation, it just means the tools are, are just 
I mean, can we? I think we just means we have to do everything we can to make them as simple and as comprehensible as we possibly can. Okay. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed listening to my thoughts about this. I'm sorry it took me like two weeks to mention cough up said thoughts. Um, hope you're well wherever you are. Drop me a line anytime. Um, take care.